I'm Kimberly, Recovering Addict, back for episode two, if there are episodes. Um, I won't be too long today because I tend to be long-winded. Um, that's what happened when I got sober. I started talking and it was just kind of weird. Everybody around me started disappearing. <laughs> um, I guess it depends on what you're talking about. I have, uh, I have experienced in my addiction... Well, it's in my book, by my book. There, I said a plug. Um, not, I don't tell you the title, this is by my book. That's what it's called, by my book. Um, I want to fucking get high today. I want to get so fucking high today that I can see heaven. I just want to get fucked up now. And I have these days, like anybody else who's a recovering addict, you just want to numb it. Whatever it is you're feeling, whatever is happening, maybe you're just bored, maybe you just, I don't know, broke a toenail, maybe your grandmother died, maybe your friend got shot, but you know what? You just want to get high. And guess what else? You want to get high just because you want to get high. And that's okay too. It's totally cool to want to get high. You're an addict. If you are an addict and you are out of denial, you completely understand that the disease does not go away. The behaviors and the coping mechanisms that we think of are, they improve, but they don't go away. I mean, I'm, the, the amount of consequences I've had with my addiction are absolutely ridiculous, but here I am, and I want to get high. I know what that means, and this is the trick to wanting to get high, but staying sober, is think it through. Think the whole thing through. Okay, I'm here on SoundCloud talking about things that I hope somebody somewhere will get something out of who needs to. So that's a good thing. You know, I don't need to be high to do that. Um, we still got the craving, so I talk this through. What will happen next? Next, I'm going to want to pick up. And to pick up, you need cash. So I gotta figure out a way to get some cash, and not just a little bit of cash. I mean, my habit was like, you know, four hundred dollar a day habit. So I gotta find four hundred bucks. And since I don't take care of my own money, um, I'm gonna make a phone call. Now that phone call is gonna be to my roommate, who's not going to give in to me having four hundred dollars. So then, what do I do? I gotta call some old dealers, some old friends, some old thugs, some old pimps, some old gangsters, and some old gunsmen. I know one guy owes me a favor, and and I could sell that pistol for about four hundred bucks, and that would do it. So what would I have to do? So I'd make the call. He'd say yes. Um, not that it's. Uh, kind of relationship that's giving it's one that's owing and in that becomes payback so I would get mine and I'd get there in the inner city where it's dangerous where I no longer have clothes that are appropriate to walk around the inner city in I would be in my leather boots with my black silk pants and my white rug <laughs> coat um, with my long hair and clean fingernails and eyes that weren't bloodshot actually would have makeup on and look healthy 
and that would be pretty tough to get through. So I would have to ask my marksman to do me a favor and meet me somewhere else. Now, he ain't cool with that, I can tell you already, because he's got to go into an environment where he doesn't really look, you know, appropriate being a gangster. He's going to look pretty out of place, and we don't like getting... Nobody wants to get famous. I mean, nobody wants to get famous. So here's the deal. I'm going to go to them. That's what I'll decide. And when I decide to, we'll just do it on, like, as closest from <laughs> to in outside the inner city that there is. Uh, and I do know a lot of people there, and they would be very friendly, and then they would start trying to sell, trying to bribe me, trying to do anything they can, um, just like I would be doing. So I would meet up with this gangster. Let's call him... Let's not call him anything and just be safe. Um, he'd have a pistol, which he would hand over to me in a handkerchief or a bandana in the color of his his team, his gang, and wipe the pistol clean. And I would put it into my purse and thank him and be very paranoid on my way trip home because now I've got to sell it. And who can I sell it to? Well, I could have sold it right there in the inner city, but I didn't know. I know somebody who wants one. And maybe I'll rank it up to 500 bucks and have a good day. So I can't get a hold of him on the phone. I go to his house and bang on his door. He ain't there. And now I'm fucked. And now I'm really craving. Like, I was so close to getting it. And then as I walk away from the house, the door opens. And the tattooed gangster man who looks more terrifying than, I don't know, Godzilla, <laughs> um, <clears throat> welcomes me with open arms, uh, puts a handkerchief on my head so I can come inside, and takes out the cash. Actually does a real deal. That's rare. Normally I would have been pistol whipped and taken the pistol and I would have been dumped somewhere <clears throat> to heal. So, now I got the money. Now I gotta find a dealer. And I've been out for way too long. But I know some people, I know some names, and I can go back to the inner city, but just not dressed like this. So I I call some old dealers that really hurt me badly. So now I'm talking about shame. And I'm talking about embarrassment. And mostly I'm talking about fear. Um and I go meet up with one of these dealers that uh, ended up being a dealer after I was. I um, I stay straight-faced as he snickers at me, calls me lame, and demoralizes me more. And I take the $400 and I give it to him. And he hands me a little baggie of rock. But he doesn't just hand it to me. He waits till he counts some money. Once some money is counted, he spits it out of his mouth. That way, if I had brought any heat with me, nothing would have been on me, which just would have swallowed it. So I have this little plastic baggie. Now I gotta find apparatus. Apparatus to smoke crack. That's what I've got. That picked up crack. And you know what? I can probably smoke crack in a toilet paper roll. Um, I take an old can. And with my Louis Vuitton purse, I go under a bridge, and I begin to smoke. 
and it's fantastic. It, it does everything that my crack promises it to do for me. It does everything. And then I run out. I've made a few friends that have crawled out of the bridge with me, and I've kind of offered my welcoming hits for them, uh, and I run out, and then they don't want to help me, and I got no cash left, and I cannot tell you the intense craving and mental anguish that crack can put you in. It will, and it has made people do really, really, really crazy stuff. You know, this whole thing about being a crackhead, that, that terminology makes me sick. Not because I'm a crackhead, but because you know what? Our teachers and doctors and lawyers are doing it. Cocaine left a long time ago and there's no powder something around. It's all cooked and it's all in rock. And you know what? We're all doing it. And I am scared to death that our kids coming up are going to have to be exposed to. Um, meth, meth and crack are the, the drugs today, <clears throat> even for people like me at 46. That's what opposed to what I, I guess I would, I've never tried meth, but I guess I would try it. Um, so, uh, the craving, uh, from experience, I know is only going to last about two hours. And I gotta walk it off. I gotta walk it off and I gotta eat. If I eat, it's gonna stop the, the chemical reaction that's in my body. Um, but these guys don't want me to leave now. Now they're throwing me pieces. And it just gets worse and worse. Anyways, not to go on about it. To think it through would be, where would I be then? I just committed a felony, actually two felonies, and I'm scared to death. I'm paranoid on crack, so I'm thinking the cops are behind me every 10 seconds. Wouldn't be the first time. And um, I come home and I sit down and the craving goes away and the pain comes back. That very pain that took me all day to hustle for 400 fucking dollars is gone. And I'm okay. And I don't know what else to do except for what I had been doing, which is call my sponsor and say I fucked up. I got high. She said, okay, cool, let's go to a meeting. I had a meeting, and you know what, after, let me take you for dinner. Um, I don't have to talk about it, no big deal. Slipped. Tomorrow's a different day. And it is that simple. And tomorrow would be a day of just not picking up and talking to someone else who is clean. And for me, reading the big book um, of Alcoholics Anonymous. Just because I'm in a 12-step program doesn't mean it works for everybody. That's my point. Relapses occur when we don't think it through. Relapses occur when we put ourselves in situations that we know could potentially be dangerous to our health. And relapse occur when you're alone, hungry, angry, tired, and lonely. And lonely is a big one for me. But I'm glad... Thank you for that little ding there. I guess that means my time's up. Um, I don't know. I hope that made sense and of some help to somebody.
uh, just think it through, think it through. And if that doesn't work, say to yourself, mark down the time and say to yourself, I will get high in one hour if my craving isn't gone. If my craving isn't gone, I'm going to get as high as I've ever been in my life in one hour. And I can guarantee you, if you, if you still get high in that hour, I'll buy your next set of drugs. God bless.